Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Faye Answered Questions. I'm your host, Joshua Faye, and I'm joined this week uh, by my parents, Mom and Dad. Hello. G'day. And my brother, Ben. Hey. Awesome. And this week, uh, the topic is going to be all about finances. But the first question to get on to topic is, uh, what is a 401k? What is a 401k? Who did who did research? And the crickets <laughs> are talking. Hey, I watched a couple of the videos that you sent in the family chat. Okay. Well, a 401k is a retirement instrument that uh, is set up by your employer. It is different uh, to an IRA, which you set up yourself. Um, so a 401k usually set up by your employer, um, that you contribute money to, you can do it one of two ways. You can do it pre-tax or post-tax, um, in order that you save for your retirement. So I know for me and probably Ben, we have something called the, uh, thrift savings plan. Right. Um, that we contribute to, is that? Pretty much the same thing, or is similar, that different? It, it'll be similar. Um, you know, a four, 401k is a loose sort of generic term for a bunch of different instruments. Uh, it's sort of something that people use uh, when they talk about saving for retirement. Um, now, I guess there's a this is such a broad topic, like, there's so much that goes into uh retirement savings and how to uh, save for retirement and what you should be doing. So I think firstly, uh, just so I can comply with YouTube and podcast law, this is not to be considered financial advice. We are in no way licensed by any state to do financial advice. This is purely for entertainment purposes and your enjoyment. Okay, now we've got that out of the road. Um, uh, so you have a 401k that is usually set up through your employer, as I said, usually with a company match. Um, so they'll match up to a certain percent. So um, if you decide out of your income you want to put 3%, normally a company match is up to 3%. Sometimes they do more. My, uh, uh, my retirement in, in my current retirement position uh, they match up to 10%. So, wow. yeah, that's huge, huge. Um, and if ever you're putting money into a 401k, put in up to the company match. It's free money. Right. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense to do any less. No. So take their money. I I put in, uh, right now I'm I'm saving about 15% of my uh, income uh, for retirement. The people that I work for match 10%. So effectively, I've got a 25% savings rate for retirement. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's awesome. So, um, but yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different options for 401k. You can have Roth, which is post-tax, you put money, you they take your income tax and Medicare tax and all of that tax out, and then you take money from that post-tax and put it into a Roth, R-O-T-H, Roth 401k, 
the reason you do it post-tax is you do not pay tax on that money when you withdraw it, nor do you pay tax on any money that you earn while you're investing it. Right. So it is a tax-free way to save for retirement. Gotcha. And I guess another benefit of doing that over traditional is that now when you put money in, you're most likely going to be in a lower tax bracket. Um, so you get taxed, I guess, less than you would if you um, did the traditional way. Correct. Yeah, like if you uh, if you put money in pre-tax right now, uh, for someone like me who is in a pretty steep tax bracket because of the amount that we earn, um, where expect that our tax bracket would go down at retirement. Mm. So we would we would pay less tax on our withdrawals. Personally, uh, if I had done the research back when I was 22 instead of 42, I would have uh, I would have probably set up a Roth IRA a long time or a Roth 401k and just paid tax on my money and then put that money into retirement. Right. I mean, it's just a great way to do it. You have to remember there's a maximum amount you can put into a 401k per year and a Roth. So you can only put so much in depending on, was it age or how it's set up? Yeah, it's usually it's about, I think, 19000 a year you can contribute to your 401k unless you're 55 or older and then they allow you to put two and a half thousand dollars more a year into it because that's going to do a whole fucking hell of a lot for you and you can yeah. have more than one okay that was that was my next couple of questions is can you have multiple accounts and what's why do they have that limit in there of nineteen thousand or whatever it is the limit the limit is to stop the ultra wealthy from piling all their money into their retirement account and not paying tax on it ah okay Okay, so that's why they did it, because they still want to tax you. Um, and they don't want you to have a legal way to hide your money so they can't tax you. So that's why they imposed a limit. Um, the It was also set up under the old idea of you're going to go to college, get an education, then go out and find a job and work for 45 years. So... They figured that if they put a limit of $19,000 a year on it, then you would have to save longer to be able to get to retirement. Um, okay. And yet, yes, you can have more than one account. And yes, each account comes with a $19,000 a year limit. Can you, okay, so in, can you set the accounts up as trust or uh, LLCs? I can't remember. Or does it have to be individual name? Uh, that's a good question, and that would be for a financial planner. I haven't delved that much into it um, because what I've done for us um, is we're contributing heavily to the 401k through my employer, but then I have set up the Roth IRA through our stock trading account. And so I'm putting after-tax dollars into that and trading through a Roth IRA, and I will not pay any money on anything I earn 
uh, I won't pay tax on on anything I earn in that account once I hit fifty nine and a half. Okay. So that's that's the other thing. Which while we're on four hundred one k's, very quickly, and it's a loophole, and I probably shouldn't put this out there because I'll shut it as soon as they find out about it. Uh, but uh, health savings accounts. If you have a health savings account, it is not taxed. It is not taxable. So you're putting money in to an account that you are saving for uh, medical expenses. Uh, you can invest that money in the stock market and it is not taxed when you earn money in it. Uh, it operates almost exactly like a Roth IRA. The only thing is you have to use it for medical expenses. The loophole comes that you can put a receipt from 20 years ago as proof of a medical expense and draw that money out of your health savings account after you retire. So, so you could get just a, a random doctor's note for like a hundred bucks or whatever, and then have an well, account that has. The, like if you go to the doctor, you guys are young. So if you set up a health savings account, trade stocks through it, make forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars plus or whatever you make on your stock market account, because you guys have got a long way to go to your retirement. So, you know, we're talking hundreds of thousands for you guys. And you go to the doctor and you get your bill from the doctor that you pay out of pocket. You don't use your health savings money to pay for it. You just pay it out of pocket. Keep investing all that money in your health savings account. When you retire, Whenever you guys decide to do that at 60 or 65 or 45 or whenever you guys decide to pull the pin, you can literally take that receipt from today for 20 years ago uh, and say, hey, I paid this, I paid this money and pull that money out of your health savings account. And that receipt's the proof that you spent it. But you can only pull out as much as the, rece the receipt says, or can you pull out all of it? No, you can only pull out whatever the receipt says. Um, health savings accounts, each year you can only put so much into it. Yeah, they've limited everything. I think a health savings account is 7500 a year. Unless but, you're, and sometimes your employers will match in that. They will put in there as well. Um, I've had a previous employer that because of the way they did their insurance, their health insurance, they had it for uh they did a health savings account and you could put so much from your check in there but they were still putting like i want to say two percent in there like so much every every month it wasn't every week it was every every other week or every month they would put so much into that account and then you can you can just keep it and keep adding to it but you had to have a receipt or prove that it was medical expenses that you used it for yeah that's the only thing with it health savings account as a retirement account is you have to be able to prove it as medical expense or you will get taxed on a withdrawal on the health savings account there is another one um not a health savings account a health spending account that is use it or lose it every year you're putting money into that but you don't get to keep it if you don't end up one year you don't have any medical expenses or you don't have to buy a lot of over-the-counter drugs or whatever you end up losing that money that you put in. You can't roll that over. 
So you have to read all of the stuff put in front of you for insurance and different accounts so that you know how to work that account. Yeah, we're talking about a HSA, a health savings account, not an FSA, a flexible spending account. There's big differences. Do your research online, figure it out. But that's another instrument like a 401k that you can use to save for retirement. But everything now is designed. Um, in Australia, we have something called superannuation. Uh, and this tells you how far behind the United States is. Australia instituted compulsory superannuation, which is compulsory 401k, where you have to have so much percent of your income go into that back in the 1980s, in the mid-1980s. And I don't, I don't think 401ks in the United States, well, firstly, they didn't implement any of those, I don't believe, until the 90s. Um, and I don't believe they're, even today, they're compulsory. I don't believe you have to do it. Yeah, no, not from what I've heard. I think it's an optional thing still here. But my advice is, if you are 40 years of age or younger, you better start planning your own retirement because you are going to be in the generation that gets told Social Security is not there to support you. It barely supports old people now. Well, yes, but it's still there. Um, but I don't think you guys will have it. I think they will do away with it. All this stuff like financial stuff, for me, it's been something that like I've never really understood that well. Like I, I work much better with stuff on like math and engineering and science stuff because it's all like for me it makes sense right you have uh, you know this role you can't do this so you must do this sort of thing but when it comes to like finance it's just nothing i've never done anything like with it never understood it and i remember being frustrated when i took had to take my like one mandatory like, economics class first year of college um i took principles of microeconomics right yeah i was i felt like the idiot in the class like i understood nothing that was happening in there economics is hard i took like three economics classes in college and we got to like econ three or whatever and they started doing like derivatives and calculus in it and i was like nah fam <laughs> i don't even know how i ended up passing that class i don't know how i think i cheated <laughs> The uh, I mean the math part of it like I can do like they're like oh I'll take a you know derivative of this but like all the other like principles behind it, I'm like I don't like this makes no sense. It's it's interesting and it's uh, there's a lot going on and particularly in the world right now there's a lot going on. I mean you can go down the rabbit hole um, of finance gurus and stuff on say youtube and you can be lost in there for months uh yeah and that's one of the things that frustrates me is when you when you go online you know see you know these youtube videos like oh you know you just need to invest you know x amount of money in uh, you know stock market or whatever every month and make sure you find something that's got you know x amount of like return on it right like I just I don't know how to go from there to finding one that 
or something. Um, well, that, next you know, time you're home, we'll, we'll sit down when you're home and go over it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make yeah. It, make it visual for you. Uh, there's a, I mean, that it, it is a rabbit hole. And I will tell you that if I had started my research and journey when I was your age, I would be way further on than where I am today. And I think it's, I think a lot of people, particularly in America, retirement is something they just don't plan for. Um, and it's going to get worse and it's going to get a lot worse, which I think is what we're going to talk about next, right? Yes. Yes, it is. So I, I think what we're, what we're talking about next is the coming crash, the economic doom that is fixing to hit the globe. It's not going to be just the U.S. thing. All signs point to a global Great Depression within the next, you know, I don't want to put a, t a specific time frame on it, but, you know, within probably by 2025, we'll be in a global economic depression. Ooh, can't wait. <laughs> Sounds so, fun. Which is very important to know this so that between now and then, you can get all your debt paid off. So you go into it without debt, which means whatever you're making, you can live off of or invest or be able to pay cash for a place to live or that type of thing. It's very important that you don't carry debt into a global depression. So I think give a brief history real quick um, and sort of catch everyone up. The uh, world economy uh, up to uh, the beginning of, or the end of 19, I guess, and the beginning of 2020 uh, was booming. Uh, we'd had a 10-year bull run in the United States stock market. Um, it had been the longest running bull market that we've had. Uh, we'd sort of gone through the great recession of the 07, 08, 09 housing fiasco that we let all the global bank executives off the hook for. Uh, they should have gone to jail for what they did, but none of them spent any time in jail. Um, Classic. Yeah, uh, the government gave them amnesty, which of course is what the government does. Uh, but that's a whole nother topic. Uh, anyway, uh, the banks, the giant banks, the Goldman Sachs, the um, uh, Lehman Brothers, which actually went bankrupt, um, those, those big banks are what caused the housing bubble crash of 07, 08, 09 and the subsequent Great Recession. And that was then uh, followed up with what we called quantitative easing brought in by the Federal Reserve, where they started printing money at a great rate and they just handed it out to companies. That money was meant to trickle down to the small guy at the bottom. It didn't, they held that money they use that money for company stock buybacks. They use that money to pay their executives big bonuses. Um, and it never trickled down. So a very few made billions and the rest of us got to pay the price. Um, and what's happened since then is 
we've had interest rates at all-time lows for the last 12 years. Uh, interest rates are, again, now due to the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, back at the federal, the federal Reserve level, near zero, which means that the average person, if you go to get a mortgage, say now, you're paying about two and three quarter percent, which is ridiculous on a mortgage. I mean, that is so low, it's crazy. <clears throat> and people are doing a fixed mortgage. Yeah. So they're going in and they're oh, yeah. a 30 year mortgage fixed at two and three quarter percent. So for the life of that loan, that's the only amount of interest that they're going to pay. So what that means is, firstly, you can, if because we've been trained over the last 60 years to look at monthly payment, not price. So you go in and back when, uh, say, my parents bought a house or even when your mom and I bought our first home, we would look at the price of the house and that would determine whether or not we'd buy it. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, we knew in ourselves there's no way we can afford a $300,000 mortgage. That's just not going to happen. But based now on where interest rates are, if I go in and fix my interest rate at two and three quarter percent, the payment on a half a million dollar mortgage is almost it's a, it's about two hundred dollars more than what my current mortgage payment is and my home is not worth anywhere near a half a million dollars damn <laughs> um so people are doing that and they've been doing that since 08 they've been going out and buying more than what they can actually afford and so because their mortgage payment is low, they've then gone out and bought new vehicles. And I don't mm. know if you guys have noticed this just in your lifetime of, because we don't buy new vehicles and we don't finance vehicles per se, um, because that's not something we do. We, 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 we'd rather pay cash for a vehicle and not have a payment. But it, just in the vehicle industry, just in my lifetime, you've gone from where you would go to purchase a vehicle and they would only give you a 48-month or four-year loan to now the average is 72 months or six years. All right. So we went from just in just in what, where I can remember when we I was my my parents were looking for a new vehicle, the maximum they could finance that vehicle for was four years. Then we went to five years. Now we're at six years. Okay. And they're talking about going to seven years. That's on a brand new. And that's on a, that's on a brand new car. But of course right. you understand that back 25 years ago, a Ford pickup truck cost $15,000. Now a Ford pickup truck costs 80000 That's nuts. Yeah, nice that stuff. is. You're going to spend your whole life paying off a car. Yes. Well, and that's more than my mortgage. 
us and depreciating yeah. assets. Yeah, as soon as you drive that eighty thousand dollar truck off the lot, it then becomes worth sixty thousand dollars. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, you're not most people are not gonna keep it till it's paid off. And then no. they're gonna wanna trade it in. So then they're about even when they trade it in again, about the third time they trade, they're upside down and they're stuck. Like they cannot get anything out of it. But I think particularly with the videos that I sent you guys to watch and that kind of stuff. You know, basically what I'm saying is the current economy since the 08-09 crash has been based purely on debt. All, right. the money, all that money that's been going into the stock market has been, has been based on the quantitative easing that the Federal Reserve did. So it was borrowed money from the Federal Reserve by companies. Um, and they put that into their stock buybacks and everything, and it's sent the stock market to an all-time high. I think uh, Tuesday it hit 30,000 points. The Dow Jones hit 30,000. The mm-hmm. first time it's ever hit 30,000 points. Um, and the society as a whole across the globe uh, has financed everything, and there's this huge debt snowball. And what's going to happen uh, particularly, you know, with talk of an incoming administration locking the country down for four to six weeks to get COVID-19 under control, how are people going to pay for their debt? If you can't work for four to six weeks, how are you going to get money to pay for your debt? Oh, this is well, unemployment. That's where unemployment, unemployment comes in, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. But where does that money come from? <laughs> But they and just print it, right? Yeah, yeah, they do. They just print it. And where do they get the money to print the money? Um, off the press. They just put the money that's on the press back into the press. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from the taxpayer. It comes from the people that pay their taxes and don't get it back at the end of the year. That's where they get the money. And let me tell you something. If you think about this, back in the 08 crash, remember all the bailouts that happened? We're going to bail yeah. out this bank because we can't have it fail. We're going to bail to out. Fail. Yeah, too big to fail. We had to bail out Boeing Airlines, Boeing that makes all the air jet planes and transport planes and everything. We gave them money. We gave money to Ford. We gave money to General Motors. We're talking hundreds of billions of dollars went to those companies. And that was all the taxpayer. The taxpayer got the bill for private companies. The idea of owning a private company was if you're good, you survive. If you're not, you don't. But now we've got into the point where if you're a private company, you can walk hat in hand to the government, the government will give you $100 billion and the taxpayer will pay the bill to keep your private company going because as a manager, you're too damn stupid to put some of your profit aside and save it to keep your company going in a bad time. And what's going to happen is there comes a point in time and it's coming very quickly where the taxpayer will no longer be able to afford the free money that the government's giving out. Like 
a lot of people just got uh, money from the government for the COVID-19 crisis. They got sent a check from the government for like 1200 bucks. Yep, right? I got one of those. I got one. Right. Where does that money come from? Taxpayer was, money. That was my tax return. Yeah, it's taxpayer <laughs> yeah. money. You know, it's just, it's the taxpayer's got to pay the bill. And, you know, you know, Ben, you said unemployment when, when we shut the country down for another four to six weeks, it's going to be the taxpayer paying that bill because if we have to pay these people unemployment or we give them, I think the plan is $2,000 a week for fucking six weeks. They're trying to do that. Yeah. Damn. You know, just, I mean, two, hear what I said, $2,000 a week. That's more than I make in a month. Well, that's a, that's what I make in a month. Like, like they're making double what I make in a month off, yeah. of, off unemployment. Yeah. So I'm about to hop right in that line. Sure. <laughs> like, uh, the people... Yeah, that, no way. The, the people that got their unemployment raised $600, you know, during the last during that last thing they just did, they're all crying foul because they took it away. All right, so... They're talking about raising the effective tax rate, I believe, on the upper earners. Currently, it's like 35%, and they're talking about raising it to like 48.5%. So half the money that they earn is going to go to the government, uh, which is just crazy. Yeah, like we don't even live in a socialist country, and they want us to pay 50%. Of well, they're moving it to that way it's getting that direction it's moving it that way and another lockdown would expedite the process speaking of that is comfortable on you know leaning on the government for everything well then they can tell you where you work where you live what you do then you will have a very elite like a one percent of the one percent telling everybody else what to do this is going to get a little political, but this is something I talked about on my other podcast is like we're moving very close. Like every day gets more and more similar to uh, George Orwell's book, 1984. Yes. If you haven't read that book, I suggest going to read it. I did not appreciate that book when I read it in um, high school, I think it was, high school or college. I thought it was super boring. Um, but as I go back and kind of remember some of the, the things from that book, is very is getting eerily similar to where we're living now, um, so that's kind of creepy. But yeah, so read that book, um, and then also uh, something that I saw the other day or heard um, a while ago. Uh, and everybody's not going to realize this until it's too late. But you can you can very easily vote yourself into socialism, but getting out of socialism requires shooting your way out more often than not. So. Mm-hmm. We just, I wish people would be a little bit smarter and do more research because the people that we, that, well, not we, but the majority of Americans elected this time, um, leans very heavily socialist more than anything else. So I don't think much is going to change in that direction in four years. We'll see. But, um, yeah, just be prepared. <clears throat> I think you'd be surprised how quickly it'll change. Uh, look at how quickly it changed with COVID. True. Like countries that were free, democratic countries, uh, and Australia is a really good example. 
became not free. The governments of each state implemented varying degrees of lockdown. Uh, the state of Victoria, they were in lockdown for three months. You couldn't go out for three months. You were locked down. And if you went out, there's, there's videos online of them throwing a 12-year-old boy in the back of a police car because he broke curfew and went out, broke lockdown went to play at the park and they arrested him and threw him in the back, put him in handcuffs, 12 years old, put him in handcuffs and put him in the back of the police car. There's video out from London of a 70-year-old woman protesting the new lockdown that uh, British Parliament just put in, being picked up spread-eagled by four police officers, thrown in the back of a, a police paddy wagon right in front of a member of Parliament while he was crying, shame shame like and then he went in and made a speech to the speaker of the house about how bad it was like you'll be surprised how quick this will go v for vendetta yeah <laughs> no. yeah think Look. of all those dystopian movies that we've watched uh with you guys all those ones where you go to this society that you give up everything and all that sort of that's coming and let me tell you, just go to YouTube or the internet and research the Great Reset. That is the term they're throwing around right now. The Great Reset. Build back better. That's I saw something thing. about that the other day. It was like uh, uh, governments and people in government all over the world are using the same phrase. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah, one of the videos that you sent in the chat and mentioned it, but I haven't looked any further into it. But it... Okay, you ready for it? Yeah. yeah. The International Monetary Fund, the United Nations, okay, and the World Bank have all called for what they, what they call the New Bretton Woods. Bretton Woods was where we signed the treaty at the end of World War II and decided how we were going to set things up around the world after the World War II ended. Uh, it was there that we decided the U.S. dollar would be the base currency of the world for trade. It was there that it was decided we'd have a United Nations and it would be set up in New York. Uh, it was there that we decided a bunch of things. And the economic forum out of Davos, Switzerland, big bunch of leftists, um, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, the United Nations are all calling for a new Bretton Woods to get the world's countries together to decide the new world order. And the big thing on the list is, are you ready for this? You will not be allowed to own property. You will have your property taken from you. You will be told where you are going to live. What the fuck? Yeah. So imagine someone like me that has almost paid off their home suddenly getting told, well, no, you can't own that anymore and you're going to have to go live in an apartment. The fuck I am. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see how that makes sense. Yeah, they're calling for... This is, this is... World socialism coming into play right now. They are calling for, they're going to do away with individual currencies. 
the call is for each um, each country's central bank to issue a digital dollar. Okay, I have heard that part. That was the part, right. the only part I've heard about it. So you will get an account with the central bank, the country's central bank, and it will be based on a digital dollar. And you will do transactions with the central bank and they will do away with the banking industry as we know it. So if you're in a banking industry right now, I'd be kind of worried. Um, it's time to move out of Jersey and start stockpiling guns. <laughs> yeah, you know, like hearing this, you just want to be like, all right, fuck this. I'll go live in the woods somewhere like on my own. It's, it's just one of those things. It's not, and people are oblivious to it. Like, and they're pushing it. Are you ready for this one? This was even better. They're pushing it from Germany. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah. And, and Prince Charles, Prince Charles, my future king of my Commonwealth, literally is pushing this. He gave a speech the other day in German to the is Germans it? about how great the Great Reset will be. Isn't Prince oh Charles like old as balls? Uh, he's 70 something. Yeah. He looks less with it than his mom does. Uh, yeah, I've got way more respect for his mom than I have for him. But I mean, and it's being pushed. And if you if you go research it, this Great Reset is being pushed by world leaders in just about every country. I mean, we should panic when countries like China are talking about we need the Great Reset. Yeah, it doesn't seem good. <laughs> I mean, it is pushing everyone. It's forcing and I'm going to go beyond socialism. It's forcing communism on everybody. Is so much for the Cold War. Yeah. I mean, and I can't imagine, like you guys have pointed out, I can't imagine going someone going up to a Vietnam War veteran that owns his home, uh, that likes to live the way he likes to live and saying, oh, you no longer own your home, Mr. Smith. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that one. <laughs> Mr. Smith is going to tell you you're going to have to pry it from his cold, dead hands. Yeah, that will great. be an inevitability. Yeah. And and so it's really, it's there's a lot more to the Great Reset that they're talking about. They're talking about, you know, you're going to do away with everyone's currency. It's going to go to one world currency. All those things that we've heard from the left for the longest time, they're using COVID-19 as the way to force it on people um and we've got a we've got and i'm gonna be this is gonna be really political so if you lean to this way and you think he's a great man i've got no dog in the fight okay trump's not my president biden's not my president i'm from australia and thank god i can go back there um but he's a shell of a man someone's got their hand somewhere telling him and moving his mouth uh you know he's a puppet it's all he's ever been. It's all he's going to be. And it won't surprise me if after 100 days in office, he suddenly dies and Caramello Koala takes over. That's no, the new president. Uh, I mean, Kamala Harris. Uh, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's Benedict Biden and Kamala Harris, uh, uh, Ka Caramello Koala, as your team now. And we're in trouble. 
we're in big time. And nobody's going to realize it until it's too late. Right. Uh, we are. And, you know, I. And this is going to sound, because I really think this guy should be in jail, and I think his wife definitely should be in jail, because there's enough evidence to prove they're criminal. But I've got more respect for Bill Clinton than I've got for Joe Biden. And you guys know I don't lean that way at all politically. Yeah. No. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, the Great Reset, there's a crash coming. They're expecting and predicting the stock market will lose up to 50% of its value. So we just broke 30. We're going to hit 15,000 points. That'll be a high. Um, there will be another housing crisis and a housing crunch, and it's coming rapidly. Uh, look at New York City. They are bailing out of New York City left and right. Um, they, they can't get on the expressways quick enough to get out of that city. Um, and if you've got, if you own property in New York, you're, you're screwed. You cannot get rid of it right now. Um, London's the same way. Uh, the housing, what you're seeing right now, if you look at it and study it, you're seeing the housing prices in the major urban areas have stagnated or started to fall because no one wants to live in New York. No one wants to live in London. They figured out through this pandemic, it's far better to be out in the country. And you're seeing the housing prices in the country go up and go up big time. For instance, we bought, when we lived in Australia, when you guys were young, uh, we paid 120000 for that house that we bought and remodeled over there, okay? And you, you guys know it was a small little three-bedroom, one-bath, little timber uh, weatherboard home. Was it the one that, on Elm? Yeah. yeah. And that same house is back on the market at $340,000 today. And they still haven't redone the bathroom. Remember, it was pink. Oh, geez. 340. Like, that's nuts. Nuts. You know, and if you want to buy a house in Australia, really, right now, if you want to buy a house in Australia within, I'd say, an hour and a half of the coast, better have a minimum $800,000. And that's Thanks. a dump. That sounds like California. It's the, it's a lot very similar, um, and and the average home price in New Zealand, no matter where you buy, the average home price in New Zealand is eight hundred and fifty thousand. That's why when you watch these tiny home movements and that kind of stuff, and they say, "Oh, we paid one hundred and fifty for this." And everybody goes, oh, that's great. And we're sitting here going, what? But when you look at the relative cost between it, when a basic house is 850000 and you can get in a tiny home and pay cash for 150, it's a great deal. Uh, I think you're going to find, uh, you know, housing prices are not sustainable. Um, the, the British... Um, and I can't think of his name right now, the British gentleman that I've been sending you the videos from, uh, he wrote an article for the British Financial Times, I believe, uh, where he predicted that home prices were going to go back to 1985 prices. That's how big this crash is going to be. 
So you're going to go back Damn. to where the house we're living in now is going to be worth about 80 grand. Oof. So, I mean, and that's a huge, because, you know, most Americans believe and, and what they've worked for is their home is their retirement. That's where their money for their retirement comes from. It's their house. Right. And if we, if we lose so much of that wealth in people's homes, then you've got people that are approaching retirement, uh, you know, that 58 to 65 range that would probably normally sell their house, get all their equity out of it, invest that into the stock market to live off and buy a smaller place for cash. And that's how they finance their retirement. Those people are going to lose on the stock market side of things. They're going to lose on the housing side of things. And the job prospects. This, their job prospects are gone. Uh, the welfare system is going to be hurting and probably crumble. You know, there's going to be mass poverty in a very short time. Right. Can't wait for that. Yeah. That's why I say no debt. Get rid of it quickly. And I think that's the big thing. The big thing to take out of this coming crash is that it was all financed by debt. Like when my uh, when my grandparents went uh, grew up, they grew up through the Great Depression, and so they learned to save, and they learned not to take on more debt that you can service, and make sure that you're saving money on top of that, investing it to make money, and they retired wealthy. Uh, but they never showed their wealth. They did, really? didn't do the flash stuff. Uh, the next generation, which will be probably you guys, if you go through this great depression that's coming again, this big crash, you're going to learn the exact same thing. Debt's not so hot. Don't take on a crap ton of it. Live well below your means and invest the rest. Uh, and it's the only way you're going to do it. Unless we get the Great Reset, then you won't have to worry about it because you won't be allowed to own anything. You'll be told where to live and you'll be given a minimum wage by the government. Of course, you'll also be told what job you can take. Fantastic. What, a, <laughs> what an uplifting note to end on. Um, we're not here to uplift. We're here to inform. Hopefully that uh, clued you in on to uh, some things to research, um, some topics to look up a little bit later. And... Um, keep you informed the next time an election comes around. <laughs> um, but uh, some housekeeping things at the end, um, please send us emails. Um, we love to answer questions. Um, my brother mentioned his other podcast that he has. It's called What in the World or What in the World Podcast. Um, you can find that, I guess, pretty much everywhere that you find his podcast and over on Twitch. Yeah, you can find it on Twitch. We do live um recordings we try to do them on sundays so i think we'll try and get one in tomorrow um and then i am if i remember and i'm good about it i usually try and put the episode up on youtube within the following couple of days um and then you can also find us on apple podcasts google podcasts um and wherever you find your podcast wherever whatever a, a lot of other podcast listening services as well um but yeah, there should be links in the description for at least uh, one of the most recent two videos on YouTube for those as well. Nice. Um, so until next week, um, I've been Josh. I'm Mom. I'm Dad. I'm Ben. Don't forget Thanks to for like, subscribe and the notification bell. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>